Well, I kind of, when I realized I I got here a little early and I went out to the field a little bit and I was like, oh, okay, it's going to be like a small group session tonight because we got soccer games going on. Then I realized the NBA, there's two huge games on tonight with the NBA. Game one of the Eastern Conference Finals and then uh, a big time seven game. Y'all pray for my Clippers, man. Pray for my Clippers. I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for them. Uh, I think everybody wants to see the Clippers Laker ma- Laker matchup. So, uh, but yeah, so it got a lot going on tonight. But I'm glad you guys uh, decided to make the investment, um, you know, and to come out because we're we're going to talk through a few things. And I want to start um, with this. There's there's five type of people you cannot help. All right? There's five type of people you cannot help. The first type of person is a person who a person who doesn't know they need it. All right? The first person that you cannot help is a person who doesn't know they need help. The second type of person is a person who knows they need help and doesn't want it. The third type of person is a person who needs help, who knows they need help, but refuses to prioritize getting it. The fourth person you cannot help is a person who, who needs, a person who only wants it a certain way. And the last person you cannot help is a person who only wants it from a certain individual or a certain group of people, all right? I tell you that because uh, what we're going to get into, at least tonight in the last, in the last session tomorrow, because tomorrow we're going to deal with, uh, we're going to kind of lump anchored, anchored fruitfulness, I mean anchored focus and anchored uh, faithfulness into one because they kind of, in a sense, they can go hand to hand because you have to be focused to be faithful um, over anything. So, so tonight I want to just deal with uh, the second part of our anchored fellowship, anchored relationships. This morning, um, if you watched and, and, or was here in the building, you know we talked about uh, dating and relationships dating and relationships as it pertains to uh, anchored fellowship. And, we, and I gave you four rules uh, for those who are single on how to date. And I touched on just a little bit of those who are, happen to be married, being invested, not uh, allowing um, yourself to become a Leah, the Jacobs of the world, not treating, um, making sure they don't treat their spouse as a Leah or the person that they're dating as a Leah, to make sure that they see them, they hear them, uh, and they become attached to them, all right? So tonight I want to deal, uh, go a little bit deeper and deal with relationships one to another. These are friendships, these are our family members, and I want to start by reading a, a couple scriptures, and I want to see if you can grasp the, the, the rhythm or the, con, the content or the context of where I'm going. Uh, all three of these scriptures come out of Mark. The first one is out of Mark 5, 36 and 37. It says, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, do not be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, John, the brother of, of, the, John, the brother of James. All right? Mark 9, 2 and 3 says, After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up on a high mountain where they were all alone. There was a transfigured, there he was transfigured, talking about Jesus, there he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, Wider 
that anyone in the world could bleach them. Last one is Mark 14, 32, 33. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to become deeply distressed. I, there's a theme in every, in all three of those passages. The theme is that Jesus was connected, of his 12 disciples, he was connected to three individuals. The first thing I want you to understand is that never be, uh, how can I put this? Don't, don't feel bad when you're closer to some people than others, all right? Jesus had 12 disciples, but only three of them was his boys. Only three of them had his heart, truly had his heart, all right? So if, if that's the picture of Jesus and his relationships, what does that tell us? That tells us we have to put people in their proper place in our lives, all right? So I want to do this, and I'm not sure it'll take all of the time. I want to honor you guys this time since you guys made the commitment to come out. Uh, and just in case you do want to go catch some of the, uh, uh, the end or some of the games or whatever. So I want to honor you guys this time. But I do want to hit on a few, a few points here. So, so there are three types of individuals that I believe we need to prioritize and assign certain roles in our life, all right? The first one is taxing tenants. Taxing tenants. What is a taxing tenant? These are people who give, people we give value to but become unnecessary weight in our lives. People we give value to but become unnecessary weight in our lives. They're taxing you. You know, uh, every time, um, they, they make a bunch of withdrawals but never any deposits. These are those, those friends, those family members who they only call you when they need something. They only want to be around you because of who you're connected to. They're called taxing tenants. I, call, I named them taxing tenants, all right? The second group of individuals is assignments. These are people who, who get your gift but don't necessarily deserve your heart, all right? Individuals who get your gift but don't necessarily deserve your heart. What do I mean when I say don't necessarily deserve your heart? Okay. Um, I, there are certain things, I have two best friends that I would say best friends in the world. Um, I, I'm not counting, my, my wife is the best friend in my life. I'm not counting her. I'm talking about two best friends outside of my, my marriage relationship that, that I have in the world. I will share stuff with them that I won't tell anybody else, all right? Because they, they're, 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 they're friends. They're, they stick, as the Bible says, stick closer than a brother. You know, they, they, they deserve, they earn the right to know certain things about my life. All right. Now, if I meet somebody and and I, I used to be a youth pastor, I put it this way, I used to be a youth pastor. I'm not going to go share personal information with individuals who I'm assigned to help get to a certain place spiritually. Many times we make wrong decisions in the people we allow in our lives is because they're supposed to be assignments where we bring them too closely. And when we hurt them and when they hurt us, we end up with resentment and bitterness and now we refuse to have people close to us in our lives. Many times, this is family, too. That's the hardest thing. The hardest thing is when somebody in your family, somebody is supposed to love you, even if it's your blood, and, and they break your heart. They do something that, 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 causes you, that causes you pain. And now you're walking around with what I like to call battle scars. 
scars that you, 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 you've gone through battle of emotional turmoil, emotional uh, things in your life, all right? So those are, there's, there's assignments, there's taxing tenants, and then there's assignments. The last one is companions. These are, these are your road dogs. They say, still say road dogs now? They, I don't know what y'all call them. Your, your, home, your, your homies, your road dogs, your besties, your BFFs, BFF, BFF, that's still a thing, right? Okay, BFF, these are those people, all right? Uh, I'm getting old. I'm 34. I don't know what kind of lingo they use nowadays in your generation, all right? Um, so these are those people, all right? So I believe there's three things you have to do in these three categories. You have to see them a certain way, all right? You have to say, you have to speak into um, what they really are in your life, speak to what they really are in your life, and three, you have to sow into them the right way. All right? You have to sow into them the right way. All right? So with taxi tenants, you have to see them as parasitic. Parasit what, is, what is parasitic? A parasite. They eat away at you. All right? They eat away at you. All right? Relationships are supposed to be symbiotic. Symbiotic means I get something, you get something out of it. All right? But many times, uh, we end up encountering people that become parasitic, all right? If you see them as parasitic, then what you can do is you speak to them sparingly, right? If you're, if you, if, when you notice that, okay, you're just taking, 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 and you're draining me, and here's the thing. If all you do is make withdrawals from a bank account, sooner or later, you'll have nothing left if you don't make any deposits. And I will even hint that some of you have been in that situation where you have friends or family, they just took from you so much, took from you so much, where it's like, you didn't even know how to be a good friend to them anymore. It wasn't that you didn't have the desire to, you just didn't know how. Because they were so parasitic in your life. And then ultimately, you just stopped talking altogether. Because here's the thing, they may be parasitic, but they're still good people. Right? What do you do when, you, when they don't even recognize um, um, the, the, the way, the effect that they're having on your life because they refuse to acknowledge their role in the situation? So once you notice that they're parasitic, you speak to them sparingly. So how do you sow into a person who is parasitic, who keeps making withdrawals in your life? You sow into them when you're led. You're led to sow into them. All right? So when they, so if they're parasitic and they're taxing you, they're just taxing you emotionally, taxing you intellectually, taxing you mentally, um, taxing you even spiritually. They're just, they're just taking, 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 taking. Taxing spiritually, a lot of pastors go through this, right? A lot of pastors go through this where they just feel like they're just taxed all the time. All right? So you sow into them when led. You have, to know, you have to know when to stop them at the door and say, mm, not today. You know, you know, pick up the phone, you see who it is? Nope. You have to get good at that. Here's, here's the thing. The quality, the quality of your life will be so much predicated on your ability to use the word no effectively. The quality of your life is, it, 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 it is determined by how you use the word no effectively. No is not a bad thing. And, here's, and let me just say this, because I had a person come to ask me a question about purpose today. Um, as I was walking around campus, he said, man, you're talking about purpose. You know, what did you mean by that? 
Uh, I've been trying to find my purpose, and I've been praying God for this door to open, and it hasn't opened. So I'm still waiting on an answer. I, said, I asked him, so how long have you been praying? Uh, I've been praying for about two years. Okay? And you don't, you know, I said, no, I'm just, I'm just still waiting on an answer. I'm still waiting on clarity. Okay? Um, well, I think I can help you with that. I think I can give you the answer. He's like, oh, man, really? Yeah. I said, yeah, the answer is no. Yeah, sometimes we just have, if, if, it's, if it's not happening, if God, if you don't feel God moving, the doors are not opening, if things are not taking uh, shape like they're supposed to, it may just be God said, no, I don't want to do that. Or I don't want to do it right now. So we have to be, if God is, is, can use the word no effectively, we as his believers, we as his followers have to learn to use the word no effectively. All right? So you sow into them when led. Assignments. How do you see assignments? How, do you, how, do, how, how should you see an assignment that God has given you in the form of a relationship of a person? All right? You see them as applicable. You see them as applicable. Why do I say you see them as applicable? Because every assignment isn't yours. You're not supposed to be able to try to help everybody. I used to have this issue where I felt like I just felt the need to help everybody that I was connected to. And I, and, I would, and I would leave so drained. And the thing is, it wasn't even their fault. They, were just, they just kept, I allowed them to keep taxing me. But assignments you have to see as applicable. You will know if it's an assignment from God when your heart is in it. Right? I tell people, I, I tell people all the time, when they say, how do you know God wants me to leave something or move on from it? Well, it's clear. He'll sever your heart from it. I knew it was time for me to, to, to let being a youth pastor go because I wasn't putting the effort, the time, the energy in it that I used to when I first began it. And what I was doing was doing a disservice to those youth by not giving my all and being a, true, and being a, a faithful, true servant to, to, the, to the, the young people that he allowed me to have influence with. So when he severed my heart from it, the worst thing you could do is stay in a situation, continue to be um, uh, a friend. Well, I say a friend, but continue to be that person that totally is giving so much of yourself when your heart is not even in it. You're just doing it to stay relevant in a person's life. And that's dangerous. All right? That's dangerous. So you have to see them as applicable. You have to be able to discern. You have to be able to, and I, I use that word discernment, and uh, let, me, let me clarify what that means because some of you may not know what discernment means. Really, in, in practical terms, discernment just means to see things the way God sees them. All right? When I say I have discernment, that means I'm seeing the situation, seeing the person um, the, way, the way God sees them or the way, the way God sees it for that matter, all right? So I have to see my assignment as applicable. Okay, I'm supposed to be mentoring this individual. And I believe there's three types of relationships you need to have in your life, all right? You need to have someone who is over you, who, who, you, you, who is your mentee, who's your mentor. Have somebody that's your equal and is somebody you're mentoring. All right? You have somebody, it could be multiple people, but you should have somebody who you can go to. Because you, here's one, one thing you never want to do. You never want to um, fuss down. When I say fuss, you never want to um, uh, complain down. So if you're mentoring somebody, you need to have somebody above you that you trust that you can go and just vent to. 
and that can give you wise feedback and tell you how to handle a situation. Then you have to have somebody who's your equal, that person that, you know, that just gets you, that understands you. It's not, it's not going to, you don't need feedback from them. You just need them to understand. And then you also need somebody that you're pouring into to keep yourself sharp. So a question you need to ask yourself tonight is, who is my mentor, who is my equal, and who am I pouring into? Have I found an individual that I can pour into? It doesn't necessarily have to be somebody who's younger than you either. I'm, I, I mentor people who are 10, 15 years older than me. The reason for that is it's just spiritual growth. I, I, I found my spiritual growth a lot sooner than they did. So now I'm mentoring them through the, through the process, all right? So it doesn't necessarily have to be, well, I'm, I, I'm mentoring somebody who's younger or in a lower class. It doesn't have to be that way. You just need to have somebody that you're pouring into to keep yourself sharp, all right? So assignments, see them as applicable. And how do you speak to your assignment? You speak to them with a level of grace. Everybody is not graced to know everything that's going on in your life. And here's where you have to be careful because sometimes the relationship can change. And, and they move towards this, this, this friend, move more into a friendship role, which is, which is biblical. Because even Jesus, Jesus had a moment where he was talking to his disciples and he said, you know what? Um, um, I consider you friends now. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, summarizing. I consider you friends now because you're, not, you're no longer a servant because a servant does not know his master's business. And now I consider you friends. So there, there is proof that there comes a point where your assignment can move into another role. You just have to make sure that it's not too soon and that's what it really is. Because the, the, the only thing you don't want to do is start giving information to a person um, that doesn't deserve the grace of that, and then they use that and go tell your business, and then now you're stuck trying to um, do damage control over information that other people weren't even supposed to have. That happens a lot on college campuses. I'll just warn you that that happens, on, and particularly when you're in a small uh, college campus and you, you think you're confiding in a friend not knowing that that friend may have another friend they're closer to, and you're like, oh, did you hear about so-and-so? Which is why you have to be careful what kind of information you disseminate. Because if you're going through a traumatic experience or you're sharing a traumatic experience with someone, you don't want that information to get out. Because it's bad enough that you have to deal with it and work through the healing process of those things, but then now you have to deal with other people knowing something they shouldn't even know. And we end up resenting people and not trusting them because we've been hurt and stabbed in the back so many times. And let me just tell you, there's people who are bitter, who's 40, 50, 60, 70 years old, who are still bitter and upset about something, about a friend that did something to them or said something about them 50 years ago. You don't want to be that individual. But the proclivity of that happening is when you don't, properly assess and manage your relationships, all right? And then how do you sow into an assignment? You sow into them as much as that season requires. Every assignment has a maturity date. I'm not supposed to be, I don't believe, this is me, this is me talking, 
But I don't believe I'm supposed to be um, assigned to an individual their whole life. At some point, that relationship needs to change. Either we, we, you go on, we, we just separate, you go on about your life, I've done my job, I mentor you through the process, or we become uh, friends or, or, or more of associates than me being assigned as a mentor or somebody in your life that speaks into your life. Is that making sense? Okay. All right, and the last one that, last, the last type of relationship that I want to deal with is confidants. This is pretty simple. The confidant is you see them as worthy. These are your friends. These are, these are the, the people that you, you're closest to. You have to see them as worthy. You have to speak to them with fluidity. That word, that word fluidity just means you speak to them um, as much as you can uh, just so they, they have an understanding of who you are as an individual, as a person, all right? So I know you, you know me type of thing. Um, and, and here's the thing. One of my friends, uh, uh, PA, his name's Patrick, we call him PA. There is nothing, if you came to him and told him a lie about me, he'll know whether it's true or not because he knows my character. And when I say tell him a lie, I'm not talking about something I did, um, just about necessarily what Lewis says, arrogant. He's going to be like, no, I know him too well. Well, Lewis did that. Mm, I'm pretty sure that's a lie. Is there a possibility that it could be true? Sure, because we all, we all make mistakes, we all fall short. But there ought to be some people in your life who know your character so much that people telling lies on you, they don't even believe them, and they can have your back. That's a true confidant. That's why you have to speak with them with fluidity. You have to speak with them as much as you can. You have to learn them. They have to learn you, all right? And you sow into them as much as possible. You sow into them as much as possible. Check my time here. All right. All right? So those are three in particular um, relationships that I feel you have to properly manage. Now, let's deal with this. Sometimes family, uh, sometimes things happen in our family, and we have a hard time healing from it. Family, friends, whatever category you want to put it in. I, there's something called grief recovery. Grief recovery is when you've been hurt so bad that it's affecting all, that, that you have to go through a process to get to a place where you're not bitter, where you're managing your feelings, um, and, and you, don't, you don't harvest resentment. You don't harvest resentment, all right? There was a reason Jesus had 12 disciples, but only three of them was close to him, right? Even Jesus had multiple personalities in the people that he hung out with. Many of you may not know the disciples deep enough to know their personality, but he had somebody on his team that was by the name of Peter, all right? Let's see if any of you have Peters in your life. I'm about to explain Peter. Peter is that friend that's hard to live with, but you can't live without him. <laughs> Peter is that friend that, that okay, you got to have the conversation be in the car when y'all pull up to the function, like, okay, listen, we about to go up in here. <laughs> 
please, I know Keisha and them going to be up in there. You know, I know you don't fool with Keisha, but I ain't got no bail money to get us out of the situation you're going to get us into. That's, that's, those are the Peters in your life, right? But at the same time, you need Peter. Even though they're hard to live with, you can't live without them. Because you may have that same conversation a different way in the car. Hey, bro. All right. When we roll up in here, you know I just got saved, right? Tyrone and them going to be up in there. I'm trying to live right. I'm trying to, do, I'm trying to do the best I can. But here's the thing. If they pop off, I'm saved now. I'm going to need you <laughs> to handle <laughs> what's going to happen. If I, so, so, so how do you do that in the spiritual? What does that mean in the spiritual? Obviously, I'm juggling, but what does that mean in the spiritual? Sometimes you need Peter to, st- to stand in the gap for you and be your intercessor when you can't pray for yourself. If you're going through a hard time, if you're going through a situation, you got to have a Peter-type friend in your life who can say, you know what, I got you. Whatever you need, I got you. I got your back. I'm going to bat for you. I'm going to go hard for you. Yeah, Peter was the one that cut off the soldier's ear when they tried to take Jesus. You got to have that type of person in your life. You just got to be careful how you manage them. You got to give them some rope, but be able to pull them back when they get out there too far. <laughs> like, okay, come on, reel it back in. We all right. Okay, Peter, that was Peter. But guess who else was on Jesus' team? A guy by the name of Thomas. Many call him Doubting Thomas. He was, he, he was the skeptical one. He was uh, the one that was uh, apprehensive, right? When, when, Jesus, um, when, when Jesus had rose from the dead and, and all that, he was the one that's like, no, nah, uh, I want to see it. I want to see the hand, the nail, I want to see the holes in his hands. Show them to me. I'm not going to believe it, right? Okay, some of you need, may have those type of friends who are very apprehensive, where you go to them, you're like, you know what? I think I want to open up a business. And they're like, a business? I open up, you know what? I don't think you should, I don't know. I don't think you should do it. I'm just saying that maybe it's a lot into that. It's a lot that goes into that. And I, I just don't think, you, should, you know what? I wouldn't do it. If you want to do it, that's fine. But I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Very skeptical. It's not that they're a bad person. It's not that the Thomases are a bad person in your life. You just know not to go to them when you're trying to dream. When you're trying to vision cast. That's not the individual you go to. John was on Jesus' team. The one that they say Jesus loved. His personality type was, uh, uh, they describe him as he was more of the silent type, the caring type, the gentle one. I believe maybe Jesus had him on his team because it's just somebody he can talk to and will listen. And not want to give a response every time. Because, you know, you got those friends who always feel they just want to fix stuff. I'm like, I don't need you to fix it. I need you to listen. Just, just listen for a second. And maybe sometimes you just need that friend who has an ear. Right? How are you managing the relationships in your life? Where are you putting, are you putting them in their proper place? I said that this morning. If you, don't manage your, if you don't learn to manage your relationships, your relationships will manage you. If your relationships manage you, then you will ultimately mismanage your life. Because our greatest joys and our greatest pains come from the same place, and that's people. All right? So here's a challenge for you. I'm going to let you out a little early. 
I'm going to let you out a little early. But here's a challenge for you. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to, obviously, I'm going to go through uh, the, last, the last two anchored pieces. But then I'm also going to um, kind of distribute and set up the worship night as far as distributing the call um, to accept Christ and, that, and, and, and all that. And I say that right now because no matter, it doesn't, you cannot learn to manage your relationships if you don't have the relationship. You can't, you, can't, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to put these people in their proper place and, because you need, you need Christ in your life, you need God in your life to show you where to place them. Because if you're having a hard time now of properly placing people in their proper place and you feel like you're just taxed all the time or that individual, you can't learn to let them go, um, you don't know how to cut certain people off, it's because you don't have the strength to do it that only Christ can give you through a relationship with him. You have to be comfortable, and I say this with all sincerity, even when it's family. I have family that I love to death, but I really don't talk to them because I'd rather, I'd rather leave the room and not talk to them than to disrespect them and to cause a rift in our family. And there's just some people who's just anointed to get on your nerves. <laughs> they just anointed. They just—it's like it's like it's, it's from heaven. They—they they were sent here by God to work on your last nerve to help build you. I'm gonna tell you right now, you're probably gonna have people like that on your teams. I, I ain't trying to start nothing. Don't don't. Okay, I'm, I'm, I ain't trying to start nothing. I'm just saying. But in all seriousness, there's, there's, it's like that. And sometimes you have to be willing to say, you know what? We're, you're family, but you're causing so much, so much, I don't say trauma, but you're causing so many issues emotionally and mentally. It's like every time I encounter you, I leave, I leave so drained and, and it feels like I have nothing left. At some point, you have to be like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And what, but, but Lou, what if it's like your parents? You can't just stay away from your parents. You can't. If it's just, you can't just stay away from them. Yeah, but I can limit. I'm, let me put it to you this way. I believe in honoring your mother and father, but even the Bible says that you need to place Christ and, and the things of God above your own family. And if I'm the CEO of my life and I'm trying to live my life through Christ and every time I'm around you, you bring stuff out of me that I don't want coming out of me, attitude, attitudes, uh, uh, bad language, how am, I, how, how am I supposed to keep living out my life in Christ if every time I get around you, you pull on the very things I'm trying to get rid of? So even though I have to interact with you, I can limit how much I interact with you. And sometimes that's even in family, parents, siblings, cousins. And don't, and, and don't, here, don't, feel bad, don't feel bad about it. Don't. Don't feel bad about it. There comes a time, the quality of your life is so predicated and it's, it's, so, value, it's so much value in how you use the word no. And just say, I, I can't do it. All right? But here's what I want you to do. If you have 
an issue with a family member, with a sibling, even if it's a friend, I want you to go through your own grief recovery stage. If somebody's hurt you, somebody's done something to you in the past that, that you feel is, um, that you're having a hard time getting over. You know, um, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write a letter to them. Hold on. I didn't say give it to them. <laughs> I want you to write a letter to them. I did this. I was an RD in Klein, um, the Klein Apartments. The Klein used to be uh, women's dorm, but the, there was one point where the apartment side was, was men. And uh, I did this at an HBC group. I don't know if they still have HBC groups here. But I did this at an HBC group of about 18 individuals in the HBC group. And I said, I don't know who hurt you in your life, but you're harvesting resentment that you don't know you have. And they were like, I don't know, I'm, I'm over it, I'm over it. Okay, let's find out. I said, that night we're going to write letters to everybody in, the, in our lives who hurt us. You put their name in the letter. If you have to cuss, cuss them out in the letter. And I'm being dead serious. Cuss them out in the letter. Show your true feelings. Get it all out. I mean, you had, you had uh, ladies, I mean, even, even dudes with five pages. I kept giving paper out to them. It's like, I need another paper. I was, I was like, man. Because there's many, just a bunch of people who's hurt them, left them, father walked out on them, uh, uncle molested them, uh, 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 something happened, or this, that, and the other. Was, I, had, I had somebody, they told me afterwards what was in their letter. I didn't, I didn't read any of them. Uh, she said she was left in a car when she was six for, two, for three hours, and nobody came and checked on her as a little girl. And it wasn't even her mom that came back for her. I said, write it out. During that time, that whole room, it felt so heavy. People were crying. People had to leave the room, get up and leave the room, took their letters out. I mean, dudes who were getting teary-eyed didn't want to cry in front of the girls. So they were like, man, I got to go to the bathroom or something. <laughs> so, so seriously. But what we did was I said, okay, you wrote the letter. Now read it to yourself. Wait till everybody was done. And then I walked them out. I said, follow me. I walked them out to a fire pit. And I said, fold up the letter. Start a fire. I said, if you want to be healed from this, the last time you harvest any resentment, any bitterness, anything of that nature, if you want, you to, be, if you want to be done with it, throw it in the fire. The moment you throw it in the fire, the moment you move on with your life. Stop looking back. Stop allowing it to be a crutch in your life and move forward. As they begin to throw the the, um, the letters that they wrote into the fire, into the fire, you can just see release happening. People were starting to, to fall on their knees and worship. And, I mean, we didn't have no music, no nothing. Just people uh, just saying, like, forgive me. Because some, some of the stuff that they wrote was hurt they caused themselves. Yeah. That's a whole nother session right there. It's dealing with, it's easy to blame other people, but what if you were cutting yourself your whole life? When I say cut, I don't mean necessarily cutting yourself, but making decisions, getting into relationships, allowing people in and out of your life. And you're scarring yourself because you refuse to make a change. You refuse to cut them off. So you had young people crying out to God while that fire is up, while they're throwing their letters in. And I believe it was that moment that a lot of them received that release. So here's what I want you to do. I'm not going to ask you to do all of that, that, what they did, but I want you to write the letter out. Anybody who's hurt you, 
Write it out. I want you to write out with a pen. I know some people, they like to use notes. Like no, write it out. Write it out. All right? And then I want you to read it. And I want you to make a commitment that everything in that letter, you're going to let go. This is if you were hurt, if you've been stabbed in the back, anybody who's hurt you, anybody who's caused you pain. If you feel like you want to do it with a group of people, a group of friends, and say, you know, let, you know, let's just do that. And you guys want to talk about your issues together, do that. If you guys want to find a way to go and, you know, light the match on fire or tear them up or flush them down the toilet, however y'all want to do it, do that. But find a way that the last time you encounter, you deal, and you focus on that issue is the moment you read that letter and you say, you know what, I'm done. I'm moving on with my life. I'm going to learn to say no. I'm going to learn to cut people off. I'm going to manage my relationships properly. Because it's the moment you manage your relationships properly, you become anchored in fellowship one to another. All right? All right, so I'm going to let you go. I'm going to pray you out. And honestly, if, that, if that's you, if that's you, I'm going to let you go a little early. If that's you, really, take the time, engage in that process. Engage in that process. And use that, even use it for other, for other things. If you, if, you, if you get hurt throughout this year, something happens to you. You say, you know what? Let me go write this letter, Lord. Some of y'all probably writing letters every week. Bless them, Lord. Did, did this again. Okay, I burned this one. Lord, I'm back to you again. <laughs> but take the time to engage the process, all right? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for who you are in our life. God, we ask that the individuals in this room, maybe those who may be watching, that they don't become one of the five people that you can't help, that can't be helped. That they refuse to be an individual who sits on their pain, who sits on their bitterness and refuse to go and get the help or refuse to go and help themselves so they can get past it, God. Heal relationships. Even now, I pray that there's a relationship in this room and they know that they need to do better with it and they know that they need to heal it. It may be a family member. It may be a friendship. Give them the strength to be the bigger person to go and say, you know what? Let's talk about it. Give them that strength, God, because it takes a lot of strength to do that. It takes a lot of maturity to do that. And God, we love you for what you're doing in this place in these three days that we're engaging in the Anchor Series. And God, we ask that tomorrow morning, as we conclude, that people come to know you, people empty themselves, and people give their all to you and commit, commit to living their life for you, however that looks like. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.